0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Kafaru Cast. Uh, Frank the Tank is across from me, and we have the nomadic and great Sam Soholt on the line. Thanks for uh, hopping on here.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on.
0: No problem. Uh, so I, um, I don't think you and I have ever actually talked that I remember. Maybe we have. I just kind of follow you along on your a- adventures, but you, you basically just kind of travel around and hunt and film and. Do whatever. Um, from what I gather, is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty much the gist of it. Just um, do a lot of freelance stuff, and then um, on the I don't know if it's on the side, to become more full time. But I've kind of become a school bus driver over the last year and a half. Um, but yeah, pretty much just all freelance work and and go wherever the wherever the jobs take me.
0: Gotcha. How long have you been doing that?
1: <clears throat> uh, so I've been doing the freelance gigs since.
0: 2012.
1: Like um, my my first job in, in film and photography was actually in 2011. I worked for a whitetail show down in southern Iowa, and then moved out to Colorado for a, uh, a little stint, and then moved up to Montana and um, uh, dove back into to film and photography and been doing that ever since.
0: Gotcha. What do you do? You knew more film or photography, or one of the other, or both? Uh, about equal.
1: So. Yeah, it's kind of funny. So most people start in photography and then they transition into film. And I did it the opposite. So I, I started all in film. I did, you know, no photography. And then I, I started doing a little bit more for myself and, uh, uh met a guy on a job who needed a photographer for, uh, for an event. And, uh, um, uh, it was a, a new product seminar for Remington outdoors. And he hired me on to come shoot photos of all the writers that were going to be writing about the new, the new products that Remington was coming out with. And that kind of, Launched me down the path of, of more photography, so I I'd say I probably do about uh, oh it's probably eighty percent photography and then twenty uh, percent film each year.
0: Gotcha. What are uh, what are some of your clients?
1: Uh, so I do a lot with uh, Sitka and Onex Maps and doing stuff for Yamaha this year. Um, but I've worked with um, I still do a lot for Yeti and um, but I've worked with Remington and. Kimber and have done stuff for Black Rain Ordnance, uh, a few different gun companies. Um, I'm trying to think of who else, but I've, yeah, I've I've worked for a lot of people, a lot of different magazines. I've had um, cover photos for Wildfowl and um, Eastman's Hunting Journal and um, uh, Peterson's Hunting Magazine, and just anybody who wants to, to pay me to come shoot photos. I've I've worked for.
2: Gotcha. Did, did you uh, Did you learn a lot of this on your own, or did you go to school? um, for it or how, how exactly did you get into the videography? Uh,
1: Mostly self-taught. Yeah. Mostly self-taught. I, uh, growing up, I was, I was interested in, in filming and, you know, I used to shoot videos with my buddies, you know, snowboarding and wakeboarding and that type of thing, but never really, never really got into it any, any deeper than that. And, um, when I did my internship down with Midwest Whitetail, that was real, like the, the first real, you know, any type of you know, thrown in the fire training that I had as far as running cameras and editing video and, and uh, any of that type of stuff. But ever after that, it's just been all all self-taught since then. Just you know, looking at you know people that I look up to in the photography world and and trying to figure out you know how they did a certain shot or you know you know perusing stuff you know from the you know the climbing and the um, you know different areas of the photography world that don't relate to hunting and trying to see how I could apply that to the, the hunting industry. And, um, uh, but yeah, pretty much, pretty much self-taught.
0: Gotcha. What, what gear are you running right now as far as, uh, for video and for photo and are they different?
1: Yeah. So I was a, I was a Canon guy through and through until until last year. And, um, I knew that this year, this, you know, this last year, I was going to be doing a lot more video work, um, surrounding the bus project and I wanted something that was going to be a little bit more powerful to do both at the same time and so I, I made the full switch to Sony so now I'm running the uh, the Sony a7r3 and then I've got a, a whole kit of lenses um, that I that I run I run a I've got a wide just a, a, a cheap um, 14 millimeter Rokinon, um for my wide stuff and then I've got uh, three different Sony lenses I've got a 24 to 105. A seventy to two hundred, and then a one hundred to four hundred to reach out a little bit.
0: Gotcha. Um, any downfalls yep. with the Sony so far?
1: Uh, you know, it's um, just in the feel of it. It uh, it doesn't seem quite as burly as the Canon gear. Um, so I've you know, and whether or not that's true, I've just subconsciously I think I've been a little bit more careful with it um, as far as bouncing around and making sure it's. You know, packed, you know, packed nice and tight in the backpack or whatever it is. Um, but I haven't had any, I haven't had any problems with, uh, with anything failing other than, uh, um, tipping a canoe uh, this fall into the North Platte River and, uh, getting a little bit of conversation inside one of my lenses.
0: Oh, I gotcha. What, um, yeah. You don't get, so Sony, um, I know from Frank and I's side of things, getting discounts on camera gear, free camera gear, can turn out to be interesting. Um, have yep. you found Sony to be kind of pro or anti-hunting or no idea at all? And you just went and picked them up from a camera store?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure as far as as far as that goes. I just yep. I bought it all.
0: Gotcha. Yep. And then it seems yep. kind of the hub you work in. Um, just from what I see, kind of. Um, online, the the Yeti, um, Sitka, uh, Dynamic, uh, you, they kind of you guys kind of all is kind of a hub and stick together. I see, oh you and Adam Foss, I guess Stephen Drake. All you guys seem to kind of work with those specific companies. Um, is it is it that way? Am I looking at that correctly? Or uh...
1: no, yeah, that's that's uh, it's it's uh, it's funny. I mean, we all work with those companies, um, but uh, I mean. I guess I don't know about those guys. I, uh, uh, I know all of those guys, but none of us hardly ever hang out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I, 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 think it was just one of those things where, um, you know, as, you know, as guys like us were, were kind of coming up in the, in the photography world in the hunting industry, it was right around the same time that, you know, companies like Sitka and Yeti and, and everyone was really blowing up and, uh, just circumstantial meeting the right people at the right time. And, and getting in with um, you know knowing the right people and being able to get hired on for a job and and work with those work with those different companies and I think you uh, um, you know just like, like, on my end it's nice to have a little bit of consistency with who you're working for and I think they feel the same thing where they know they're gonna get a, a certain product and um, know that it's going to be delivered and I think it's it's easier to, to build that relationship rather than just filtering through a bunch of people so but yeah we we all seem to to work for a lot of the same companies and, um, but none of us ever really crossed paths all that much.
0: Yeah. No, it didn't, it didn't look like it from social media, from the, you know, when I, what I can follow along. Um, yeah. You yep. know that you guys are like, you know, riding buddies or whatever, obviously just cause I don't see photos of you or you guys tagged in each other's photos. So yeah, right. <laughs> you know, but yeah. So what, um, yeah, I know like, you know, Frank and I with the backpack, I mean, we all kind of do the same, Uh, Stuff Occasionally I'll do, you know, a wedding if I, if I have to, but more or less, you know, we're doing more of the landscape camp product shots during the season. And then when the rut kicks on, we go photograph tame elk and mule deer because they're easier to photograph. What, uh, what would you say, and I'm doing this because of the, I don't know how many questions Frank gets, but I get as much photography questions as it seems freaking arrow in front of center questions. So. Right. The general question I get is is a simple answer. Uh, you know, my answer is what's your budget? Because it's hey, I want to take photos like you and, you know, whatever and, and Sam Soholt or Jay Byers or whatever Stephen Drake. Yep. What do I need? And I'm like, well, you need a lot of money to to get to that. That you know, you can take the photo with a lower end camera by all means. I mean, you can you know take any photo you want with a really cheap point and shoot, but to get to where you can blow them up or the detail, I I mean, it's gets to, (laughs) as you know, it's expensive. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just, you know, for, for guys like us that are, you know, making money on our photography, it's, uh, it's not just a, it's not just a gadget. It's a tool. And so, you know, I think all of us invest heavily in our tools because we want our craft to be as, as good as possible. But yeah, I mean, I get that question all the time and, um, it's, it's a hard one to answer, but I, I always answer the same way that you do is just what's, what's your budget. And, um, sometimes I feel bad because I, I've, it's been so long since I've done any research on the, the more affordable cameras that, um, you know, if somebody has a, a $500 budget or whatever, I I don't even know where to begin um, as far as what to look for. Um, but, you know, usually I'll, I'll do a couple quick searches or whatever and kind of point people in the right direction. Um, but yeah, we, we <laughs> I, I've definitely invested a lot of money in, in gear.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, I usually point people to a Sony RX100 that are in that 500 to, a thousand dollar budget because it will shoot in raw. It's a point and shoot. It has an okay zoom. It's been durable yep. for me. Um, but then to get, I hate under answering, but it, it's it's just necessary because I can't keep up and I, I can't speak for Frank on that, but to really pop down and say, hey, here's the deal. You're probably gonna buy that if you get addicted, you're gonna piss away a ton of other money. You probably won't know what you want for a while. So you're gonna piss away even more. You may have 20 grand in the next five years wrapped into camera gear if you've got the budget, but you'll always use that Sony. You can keep it in your pocket or your pack. But where I run into issues is when guys ask about the zooms, the landscapes, how do you get the night shots? You just can't get great photos with that, in my opinion, without, you know, dumping the cash into it. And when I say that, meaning you're not going to shoot a cover for the Wild Sheep Foundation um with without a pretty high-end camera um just because you won't have the deal, detail the clarity you're going to have grain depending upon the lighting you're not going to take night shots you know with 30 second exposure time with a cheap camera I mean what, how do you feel about that
1: no I, I completely agree I mean if you want to if you want to jump into all of that kind of thing and be able to take those shots and deliver, you know, deliver those shots um, to different people. Like you, you, you have to make the investment. I mean, that doesn't mean that you can't take, you know, a cool night shot or a cool shot with a, with a lower end camera. It's just um, like you said, you're, you're going to have, that you lose detail when, when the price goes down.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. And I, I think, you know, what you said is true. And that's what I try, you know, getting that across in text, especially when I get tired of typing is, You can take amazing photos with any camera. It's what you want to do with those photos. Do you want to post them on Instagram? You don't, you know, you don't need a whole lot of, you know, what, what is a Kenton Carruth with mega donkeys? That's what he calls them. You don't need a lot of mega donkeys, uh, you know, to post (laughs) on social, social media. But when you, Frank, what was that we did for night? We did a shoot for Nikon. What'd they blow that thing up to? It was huge. 16 by 22 feet maybe. Um, right well you need a lot of mega donkeys for that right you need yeah and the yeah <laughs> w- one of the photos was only 1200 iso or maybe a thousand and yep. th- they couldn't use it and i was like yeah. well that's my bad because i've never blown up a photo to 16 by 20 feet um so <laughs> right <laughs> i just hadn't didn't hadn't gone there so we there we were you know loading up again to go freeze to death off of cliffs to take these photos so Um, you you know you start talking about I mean how do you feel because I look back from the people I learned from Tiber Namath is his name he shoots a lot for outdoor companies and he's like dude back in the day 12 megapixels that was money that's you know he was talking about the what is it 1DX maybe on the Canon he was a Canon guy still is and he was like dude that was state of the art best of the best he's like you know now oh I don't you know, we're what forty, you know, forties kind of standard megapixels. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, kind of you when you started, I I, I would assume you kind of had to jump, just because you're you know you're not overly, you know you're relatively young and you've been kind of doing it since a fairly young age. Meaning since you started, you probably yep. had to kind of dive in high and didn't really work your way up too too much. I'm guessing.
1: No, yeah. So uh, the way I got started in the photography side of things is I actually, <laughs> so I bought a bow. Um, so Midwest Whitetail is sponsored by Hoyt, right? And so uh, we got a pro deal on Hoyt. And so before I went down there, I bought a bought a brand new bow and went down there and shot a couple deer. And and then when I moved to Colorado, I really wanted to get a uh, really wanted to figure out a way to get a DSLR and and dive into you know, not mostly for filming is why I wanted it, just that shallow depth of field and, and whatever. But I, I actually traded my bow for a Colt AR fifteen. Um, and then I sold the AR fifteen for uh, whatever it was and then I bought a Canon seventy with the kit lens and that was that was how I dove into it. So I you know I didn't get you know I didn't go full frame right away, but I went about as good as I could get in the crop sensor on the Canon side. At the time, um, and that's how I jumped into it. And then it, it was, oh, it was only about 18 months later that I just bit the bullet and bought the, you know, the 5 d Mark II and a, um, an L lens and a, you know, and then started buying other lenses to go with it. But yeah, it was, it was a very quick turnaround, you know, and I, I didn't start, you know, I had some point and shoots when I was little, but I was, or when I was younger, but I, you know, I wasn't shooting anything for anybody. And, um, yeah, so I, I dove into it pretty hard right away.
0: Gotcha. I mean, what do you think, um, I guess we can all answer this, but I mean, what do you think the number one mistake guys make that are trying to get into photography? Like out of the gate, meaning, oh, I saw Sam and Frank and Aaron's or Stephen's photos and I want to get into this. At that point, once they take that step, where do they really take the wrong one?
1: Uh, I, I think uh, I try to tell a lot of people to invest more money in glass than in a, in a body. Um, and so I think, I think a lot of people will spend, you know, they'll blow their whole budget on a, uh, say, you know, just for the sake of like, you know, relevant cameras right now, they'll, you know, they say they have a $3,500 budget or a a $4,000 budget on the high end and they spend 3,200 on the body. And then they, you know, only have, you know, another $800 for, for lenses. And so they get a kit lens or a you know instead of getting a faster lens you know instead of getting an f2.8 they you know they go with the f4 or you know whatever it might be but they they spend uh, a lot of money on the body and not enough money on glass and you can you can kind of you know cheat your way through for a while on a on a lower quality body and really high end glass um uh before moving up to that next level so i think that's i, I think people get too hung up on on you know the whatever the newest of the new whatever the whatever the body is instead of looking for a used one or um you know buying one generation backer or, or whatever that's that's the mistake i
0: see
2: gotcha frank i don't think i know enough to say i mean
0: when you i <laughs> frank's in a very unique position because frank has one of the best eyes i've ever seen for photography but mm-hmm. he, he i kind of just i guess i handed you a camera and you took off from there
2: really i guess I mean, yeah. I, when i started here um you gave me that uh olympus em1 or odem one or yeah. whatever it was and then eventually got the, inherited your uh, a7r2 but um there's definitely a lot to learn i think it, it's important like most things to have kind of a mentor or a teacher someone to to bounce questions off of and i have that you know you're here all the time and you answer my questions so that's been helpful for me um and then, you know, I already had, you had the lenses that you, um, let me use. So, um, I think what's been most helpful for me is just having somebody there to bounce questions off of right away and get that answer, you know, whatever, um, whatever it may be. So that's, what's been helpful for me. I don't, I don't know about mistakes. I know I've made a lot of taken a lot of crappy pictures and showed up one time with, without any batteries charged. So <laughs> I forgot
0: about that. Well, <laughs> uh,
1: I, think, I think we've all done that.
0: There's always something you forget, or, or, and uh, I I just went when we did cardio the other day. You know, there's a couple, you know, 190 to 210 mule deer. I didn't put an SD card in the camera. I forgot. You know, I just, (laughs) yeah. And and, I mean, it's not that far from the house, but I was like, what an idiot. But I, I agree with you on the the couple things. One is, I don't think I try to tell people not to buy a, a lower end. Uh, new body by a higher-end old body um, yes. and, yep. and used. And, and, you know, I took shutter count or whatever, and I'm like, look, you know, these things where they're rated for is is far less than what they can actually... There's a lot more juice left in them than what they, they're rated for, but the camera companies have to yep. be safe as far as the shutter count. You know, too, yep. there's a lot of people with a lot of money that buy it. Like, husband's going to buy the wife a camera, We've already been down that road myself. Camera doesn't come out yep. of the box much, and then they sell it, yep. and it's like, well, dude, that yep. thing's fifteen hundred shutter count. It's basically new, right. you know. <laughs> so, yep. and yeah. then yeah, the glass yeah. to buy the highest end. If you're trying to get into it, used glass. There's Inglewood uh, Cameras, a store we deal with, and they have yep. that they, they buy gear and sell it, and you can buy amazing. Uh, glass from them from guys just trying stuff out and the other thing is if you're looking at getting into it and you can go and just hang out with uh, someone that is maybe not a professional photographer but knows photography and if you Mm -hmm. know you're really going to get addicted to it or it seems like definitely save up maybe and, and dump a little more money into it than you maybe initially would either either somebody wait six months save up more money then buy something, yep. and then six months later, try to sell it and buy something again. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So having said all of that, I know Frank's got his personal preferences for field stuff. I'm leaving out landscape, or not landscape, I'm leaving out wildlife photography for this question, because that throws a whole another monster into the equation of big glass. Yeah. What do you take into the field, like— Hey, Sam, I'm going to hire you. I want to follow Frank and I around on a 12-day backpack hunt. What are you throwing in the back, the pack?
1: Uh, so depending on, I mean, if it's a, it'll change a little bit if it's depending on if it's a rifle or an archery 2 hunt. But let's just, for, for this instance, let's just do an R2 hunt. Um, so I'm going to have uh, my Sony a7R 3 body, and then I might um right now I, I i've been waiting for uh to get a secondary body um i don't have one but i might rent one for the trip if it's you know just in case there's a failure um but then as far as lenses go i would have a a wide angle so probably that 14 millimeter uh Rokinan, and then a, a sony 24 to 105 which is an f4 and then the 70 to 200 2.8 that's pretty much it
0: and what do you what would you say percentage wise what do you use out of those ones the most
1: uh, I would say I, I'm, I'm going to use that 70 to 200 um, far and above more than the other two.
0: Now, is that filming or photography?
1: Uh, that's photography.
0: Yeah. yeah. See, I'm glad I asked that because I never packed that heavy bastard into the field. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's <the> 7,200 stays <laughs> home. Uh, for... Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that is if I'm following you guys around
1: shooting photos. Like if I'm if – it's different if I'm carrying a weapon as well. So my, uh, (laughs) the number of tags and if I have my own weapon, it's amazing how much lighter my camera gear gets when that's the case.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Frank, but but yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, that's, that's pretty much it. Pile of batteries and SD cards.
2: Gotcha. Frank, what are you, what are you running? I'm I'm pretty simple. Just got the 35 millimeter lens and a, an 18 millimeter but i would say 90 percent of the time just using that 35 i've really grown to like that thing quite a bit and i've tried your 50 millimeter a couple times but i ended up just liking the 35 for whatever reason so i'm a pretty simple guy
0: we've got a plethora of lenses frank's talking about the 18 uh millimeter 2.8 zeiss and then Mm -hmm. that 35 1.4 or is it a 1.2 it's a 1.4 you can defend your life with that thing it's heavy as hell i do know that um (laughs) And, uh, and I kind of run the same thing. I'll either run like a uh, 16 to 35 or, or maybe 12 to 24, 12. To, you know, I run a wide angle and then a walk-around lens, which is what I consider maybe a 35 up to a 50. I yeah. That's it. Yep. I don't run. And, you know um, – the battery thing can can be not as big of a deal for photos, but it becomes yeah. especially when you're talking Sony. It becomes an epic crisis, uh, from what I've seen and dealt with myself with Sony. The newer ones are better, yeah. but the older ones were pretty bad.
1: Yeah, the, the new ones are actually pretty dang good, but I've uh, yeah, I've, you know, I've heard stories of people going in with like two dozen batteries on the the R two or the S two just to just to get through it.
0: Yeah, the, the new A7, like R3, I know you're upwards of 800 to 1,000 photos, um, yep. where with the two, 250 maybe, 200 depending upon how cold it is, and you're starting to tap yep. out on the battery. Yep. Now, what do you yeah. bring in for, um, like, cleaning, um, you know, I, we talk about batteries, but SD, backup SD cards, cleaning, uh, things like that for, like, your what I call my little camera pouch.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, I always have, um, you know, like one of the little spray bottles, like the Zeiss cleaning material, um, you know, lens wipes, lens cloths. Seems like I try to have a lens cloth in about every pocket that I have. And, uh, and then uh, just a puffer, um, just so I can um, try to keep the dust out of everything. Um, and that is, that is one of the downfalls of, you know, going to a mirrorless system is you gotta be a lot more careful as, um, as far as dust getting on the sensor. Because it's because when you take that lens off, it's open directly to the sensor rather than having that mirror to pro, to protect it. Um, so yeah, I always I always have I always have the puffer, and then I give everything a little puff in between when I'm swapping everything
0: out. Gotcha. We we do about the same thing. The one thing that I have found on a Sony that has been a lifesaver is the the gel. They're kind of cubes at the end of a of of a pencil. So it's there's two of them that I have and. One of them's, oh, probably half by half, you know, half squared. And yep. uh, I have not had any, uh, there has been no obstacle high hide the, to come off that sensor since then. Um, okay. I have effed up some cameras before that, like badly, whether it be <laughs> fungus growing on the sensor from British Columbia, which is horrible for cameras. Um but in the case of this, where I get dust, especially if I try to get that kind of starlight sun where the sun's halfway behind a tree, I'll go up to like F22 to try to get that star cluster look. All of a sudden, yep. at F22, whatever you didn't think you had on that sensor, you now have. It's like, <laughs> it's oh, it, there. it's right there. Yeah. And that's when that little QB <laughs> thing comes in. It's like sticky, and you just roll it on there. Now, with the five-axis image stabilization, you can you can jack that up quick if if you press too yep. hard. Um, right, right but that's something I suggest to guys for you know if you're going to use Sony um, i guess my next yeah, question there, oh go ahead and,
1: and no and i was just going to say i'm not uh, i don't know exactly how to do it but there is a way to lock that sensor when you're cleaning it yep um so you, so you're not messing with the uh, yeah with that
0: i've actually changed mine um, to where i can i can i can lock that up easier you know how you can um, run your your function home screen kind of and uh yep you can actually set it up to where you can do that on it because it that locking it is certainly a good idea um yes <laughs> what, what do you think as far as the um okay because my take you know canon kind of took a dump with the 5d mark 4 i had one not i had two yep. and i didn't have them for very long um you know, with the Canon, that Nikon D850, uh, which I have as a monster, the Sony A7R three, I know Olympus has, um, I guess you could say, some high-end prosumer cameras. You've got, uh, I think, it wasn't Steven Drake running Olympus for a while or something? Or maybe,
1: that was he? Uh, I'm trying to, was it, a, was it a Lumix?
0: Man, or maybe was it it wa- a... Jesus. I don't remember what it was. I remember uh, him talking about it. I probably little uh, prepped for that question. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> you know, and then Sony, you know, what's your kind of take on all of these cameras? Do you look at it like it's a bow um, where you can buy any high-end bow nowadays and they're all good? I mean, kind of how do you look at that in this giant – I don't know how much you stay up on it – like these camera wars between Sony, Nikon, and Canon Um you know, do you kind of stay yeah. out of that and just grab what you want, or what do you think about all that?
1: i i I pretty much stay out of that. Uh, you know, like I said before, I was a Canon guy forever, and i um honestly, I just kept waiting for Canon to drop something that would compete with uh, like the Sony mirrorless stuff. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's like the the bow deal where it's it's really hard if you're buying like a professional like a high end camera, I think it's really hard to buy a bad one. I think there are little things with each um with each company, like depending on what you're doing with that camera. I think you need to just look at which one fits you know, fits what you're doing best. Um but yeah, I think you get a you know, you, you spend the money, you get a nice camera, and you learn how to use it. I don't I don't think you can go wrong.
0: Right. I mean I don't know how much you get on photography forums. I get invited on some of the the ones that don't have as much mm, hatred going on. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> if you ever think bow hunting is bad for hatred on forums and social media, hop on a photography <laughs> one, because it's, I mean, you've uh, I mean, and in, in on photography, you know, I hate to say it, but bow hunting is more North America, right? You don't, you have yep. some, you know, British, New Zealand, um, uh, you know, Australia or whatever, but you know, you throw and, – and I'll probably get bashed for being racial somehow here. You throw Asians in the mix, mother of <laughs> pearl, it – it is insane, <laughs> like some of the hatred that gets thrown around with the photography stuff, and and I'm kind of standing back, like oh, I just kind of go out and take a picture. Like, is it that big of a deal? Because you 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 get the people that um like the uh, pixel peepers, like the guys that yep. live in their mom's basement and break shit down to like this epic minute level, and I'm like, I don't know, looks like a good photo to me. I mean, what the hell, right? Um, yeah, and yeah. I, I do it for comedy reasons when i hop on there because it is just fun to read through them since i'm not like you know with the outdoor industry if someone talks shit about let's say yeti or or sitka you kind of have a a dog in the fight there you might get defensive or someone talks about kafaru frank and i might get like hey but when you don't have a dog in the fight it is fun reading through the comments (laughs) i I highly suggest yeah i i
1: haven't i haven't dove into the world of the photography forum And that's, uh, it's, it's mostly because I just don't care all that much. (laughs) Like as long as it looks good to me, I figure that, you know, I figure I'm coming out ahead. Um, but yeah, I bet, I bet that's hilarious. Just the back and forth. Cause, uh, I hired a buddy of mine to film a bunch of stuff for me this fall, um, with the bus. And, uh, he, he, um, he likes to research things and, you know, before he's going to buy something, he like goes to the nth degree on, on forums and whatever and looks at all this stuff. And, you know, and then he would ask me a question. and I was like, man, I don't know. I don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like it's a, you know, it's a lens. It's, you know, I put it on the camera, and it takes photos. Um, so I'm, not, I'm not the right guy to talk to when it comes to breaking down like all of the specifics of a camera, but I bet those, I can't even imagine a worldwide forum on, you know, like this camera over this camera, and how how hard people defend you know their their specific brand. It's
0: it's pretty bad. I mean, I do highly suggest for people to get like on a B and H photo when they're getting ready to buy something, and the reviews on there I think are pretty spot on from what I've you know found. And you don't they do a very good job of kicking ding dongs off, you know, and and don't you know pull yeah. reviews, and and that's a good way to, to to purchase to get on a. I would never suggest ever ever I'll say it again ever to get on a forum for photography and try to get good advice. it just ain't going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> There's too much shit, shit flying. Yep. Well, when, when, yep. when you go to buy a lens, um, you know what, and it trying to explain this and we'll go, you know, if you don't mind here in a few, we'll start talking about the difference between F stop shutter speed ISO when those come into play. But when you're going to yep. purchase, um, a lens, there's different times to where you can get away with an F4, maybe dependent upon your style and what you're doing compared to a 2.8 or even, you know, a, a 1.4 or whatever, meaning, you know, your, yep. your fast lens. When, when yep. Do you try to just go for the fastest lens you can afford um, just so, you know, you, you don't really have to worry about anything? Or when you go to purchase a lens, kind of what do you have in mind?
1: Yeah, I mean, normally for me and and what I do, it's just because I spend so much time in low light, I just, I try to go for the fastest lens that I can afford. Um, But there's definitely, you know, you can definitely get a, you don't have to necessarily do that if you aren't shooting, you know, in those twilight times all that much. I mean, if most of your stuff that you're shooting comes in, you know, pretty good daylight, like, uh, you know, an F4 or uh, even, you know, some of the variable F-stop stuff, it's going to be just fine. But yeah I, I I usually just go for you know if I'm if I'm looking at a new lens I'm gonna you know I'm gonna spend the money and invest in it because I know I'd, I'd rather buy it once than try to buy buy something and be like well I could really use that extra stop of light and then try to sell it and then rebuy
0: right right now the yep. lenses Frank has um that you know he's both of his are um well one's a one four and one's a two eight so super fast. And yep. for the people listening in, the way I described it, and 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 I'll kind of give my quick one for here, and then you kind of throw your two cents in. The the f stop um, is you know basically how, how how big the hole opens. So yep. when you're at a super low f stop, um, the hole is is really big, except you have issues with depth of field, meaning. My eyeball may be – so if you're trying to get way back on a mule deer and you're at F1-4, the mule deer's face will be clear and you're going to be blurry as hell and everybody's going to know you're trying to make it look bigger than it is, for example.
1: Yes.
0: yep. Um, we've had that problem. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and so when you <laughs> – <laughs> and then when you talk about shutter speed, the shutter speed is how fast it opens and closes, but the longer it's open, the more blur you can get. Um, and this yep. is where the lighting comes into play. And then the ISO, I always say that's kind of your cheater bar. You can throw in a higher ISO, but eventually you run into the negative side of grain. Um, right. So, give an example. What is the highest ISO, for example, you like to run? So, depending on, I mean, if it's uh, I'm
1: trying to think of how to how to best describe this, as far as like because it, I mean, obviously changes throughout the day. Um, but in, in low light stuff, you know, if I'm, if I'm just trying to take, uh, just a normal photo of, you know, something happening, the, the highest I like to push it on my current setup is 4,000 because after that you start to get pretty, pretty dang grainy. Um, and you know, you can at 4,000, it's, you, you start to get a little bit of grain, but you can, you can usually reduce that or smooth that out a little bit in post if you need to. Um that, you know, now if I'm doing a you know, if I'm doing a night shot or something like that, I usually don't go uh I don't go above thirty two hundred ISO as far as like a Starscape or a um anything with a with a long exposure. Um I've found that you get you get really grainy once you once you get above that. I'd rather do a little bit longer um shutter speed than then push the ISO too
0: high gotcha and then do you run in uh, aperture priority or manual mostly or or, or shutter
1: uh, I just I run in uh, uh, full manual
0: gotcha so when you like I run an aperture priority I don't know it's Frank I think you do the same thing for it for pretty much everything but low light and then I go to full yep. manual um, yeah. just because what I found is when I ran in full manual, I might as well have been running an aperture priority anyway. And so I'm yep. like, well, hell, it's easier just to run an aperture priority yeah. until, <laughs> until I get into, you know, low light. I try not to run over, you know, 1200 ISO my, myself, but I'm also in Colorado where, you know, my, my whole view on that might change greatly when I'm, you know, heading to British Columbia or Western Washington or something where I may have to you know, fudge a little bit and go, bump up, like you say, to 4,000. The one thing, yep. too, that people, I would say, na- need to take into consideration before they do anything um, is like a hunt when you're filling your backpack up with gear. You know, if it's rainy, uh, the area you're going to is more rugged and rainy. You might run a different type of rain gear. Um, you know, if it's, you know, you might run a tarp if you're in Nevada or Colorado. I try to explain to people that they need to be prepared for potential especially newcomers potential situations that might really throw them off meaning if they've shot in Colorado or Nevada um, they've gotten really used to not having light as an issue and then all of a sudden they get to a lower light area they're like getting a lot of blur and they don't know why and and maybe they're not as proficient with the camera as they could be Um, kind of You know, in your words, describe that when you get into a lower light situation, um, what are some of the settings on the camera you might need to change? Meaning standard daylight, noon, whatever, you can take, you know, just about any setting is going to work. Obviously, even in manual, you're going to be able to get it with a lot. But then you're getting into low light, the sun going down. What are you like a camera settings, which I know this is a general question trying to explain to people how that works, where once your F-stop changes, your shutter needs to change to this, your ISO needs to change to get that blur out of there.
1: Uh, it's it's not too, you know, you can, you know, if you need to bump your ISO up a little bit, like when it's getting to low light, um, you know, if you're shooting a static object, it's, you, you, can, you can play more with the shutter speed um, and keep the ISO as low as possible because, you know, if you're just shooting something that's standing still, you can hold still enough to shoot at, a shutter speed of, you know, like one twentieth or one 15th or even, you know, lower if you're, if you've got it on a tripod, but if anything is moving, you need to have your shutter speed high enough to be able to capture that without it being completely blurred out. So that's where you're going to have to play with the ISO more. If, you know, say it's, you know, say I was following you guys around and, you know, it was getting low, low light and I wanted to get a shot of, you know, you guys kind of walking back into camp or whatever it might be. Um, You know, I'm going to have to bump the ISO quite a bit to keep the shutter speed high enough where you guys aren't like just, you know, blobs in the night moving through the dark. Um, So that's kind of where that, that comes into play, um, you know, messing back and forth with that, the ISO and the shutter speed, you know, and the lower the light, obviously you're going to have to drop your F stop down as low as possible. Um, But in the middle of the day, you don't, necessarily want to run your f-stop all the way wide open unless you're trying to go for that shallow depth of field but you're going to have a crisper clearer photo um when you get into like you know in that f8 to f11 range um or whatever the whatever the lens you know whatever the uh, the spot in that lens that has the the crispest photo but once you get up a little bit you're going to have a better final product if you have good light
0: Gotcha. No, no, I, and and that that definitely makes um, you know perfect sense. And I'm really just asking you questions to, to get people ask me so they can just listen to this podcast. And yeah, yeah, for um, sure. One of the things, and um, I got a text. I, I got to run out to shipping, so Frank's going to take this over here for a minute. But one of the things I'd like cool. you to do is give scenarios that seems to really help people. So, you know, let's say scenario number one um, is going to be a moderately low light camp shot, uh, meaning of up to four shelters, let's say no one moving, um, you know, what your setup's going to be for that. The next one may be, uh, just a nightscape. You want to, you're going to, you just want to get stars and, uh, and that's yep. it. Um, and some of the different, you can, you can come up with your own scenario. So people kind of know, um, exactly what you, you know, roughly, obviously everything is going to change. You're going to have to learn how to do this. You can't just copy what, what Sam or Frank or I say, but it'll get you close to start screwing around with yep. it and give those scenarios. Yep. And then obviously the lens and then the settings. Okay, cool. I will be right yep. back. Good luck, fellas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so oh, yes, Frank, do you want to start? Do you want me to go? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so for the, the camp shot, just a relatively low light camp shot. Um, you know, I'm probably going to have either, uh, you know, either a wider wider lens on, you know, whether it's the 14 or um, running, you know, at 24 on a 24 to 105. But um, if it's kind of low light, you know, I'm probably going to be somewhere between 1200 and 2400 ISO. And um, you know, if I'm on a if I'm on a tripod, I can run it down to you know one twentieth or one fifteenth, um, you know, if I need to to keep the ISO down a little bit more. You know, if I'm doing handheld stuff, you know, I'll probably bump the ISO a little bit to, you know, 3200 or whatever I might need it to be, um, so I can shoot a little bit higher shutter speed on the on the camp shot. And then for a nightscape, I'm going to always put that on a tripod and try to use a remote trigger if I can, just to keep vibration out of it. But I almost always run as wide as possible, um, so I'll run a uh, that 14 millimeter. And most of the time I'll have it set at F2.8 and I will do, you know, I'll start with ISO at 3200 and I'll, you know, start with a, you know, a 10 second exposure and see what that looks like. And then if I need to, I'll go to a 15 second exposure or a 20 second exposure. And then I'm always, I'm constantly playing around with the framing of it. Um, And so I'll shoot one photo and kind of take a look at it and then. You know, be like, oh, I want a little bit more of this, you know, part of the of the photo in the frame, and I want a little bit less of this, or I want a little bit more stars. So, you know, I'll probably take, oh, I don't know, thirty or forty or fifty stars, you know, shots of kind of the same thing of of the of the stars or the Milky Way over a tent or whatever it might be um, to get the the right framing that I want. And then once I have one, then I'll you know move on to the next. But um, yeah, it's always always messing with it but just as a as kind of a base f2.8 3200 iso and a 10 to 15 second exposure to get you going
2: do you uh do you spend a lot of time or much time um in like post-processing with certain photo editing software or do you try to get it pretty pretty damn close with your your initial shots
1: uh i i I do my best to have the camera do The majority of the work, but I definitely, um, I, and I only use, I don't use Photoshop or anything. So I just use Lightroom. So most of what I'm doing is, you know, tweaking levels on stuff. You know, if it's a, if it's a night shot, you know, I'll boost the clarity and I'll, I'll, um, kind of play with levels and, and a lot of people, uh, I guess my opinion on post-processing is I try to make my photos look, uh, how I saw them, in the field, and um, m- most of the time, that's just you know tweaking tweaking levels here and there, and maybe adjusting the the temperature a little bit to make it look a little bit warmer. You know, kind of how I saw it in my mind when I shot the photo. But um, yeah, I don't I don't do a ton of post processing other than just tweaking the levels in Lightroom.
2: Gotcha. Um, and then I know. I'll th- when i talked to Tiber when he was there for the vortex thing they, a lot of the photographers they just hand off their their sd cards and then the, whatever company you're working with they do the all, most of the other stuff right uh sorry i missed it broke up a little bit what did you say there um as far as like post processing a lot of times photographers they'll just hand off the sd card after the photo shoot and then the the company'll do the do all the tweaking themselves
1: yeah yeah kind of the, it depends on the company um a lot of times what What I'll do is, uh, you know, say I go do a shoot for, for Yeti and I'll like over the course of the, the week or whatever I shoot, you know, six to eight thousand photos or whatever it might be. And then I'll go back and I'll do a, I'll do a breakdown of all of the best shots. And so I'll have, you know, I'll break it down to, you know, five to eight hundred photos and then I'll go through and I'll edit those, um, and, you know, break those down even farther and then, I'll, uh, I'll send a, a low res, you know, folder of selects, you know, and then they'll, you know, pick which ones that they want. And then I'll send them, you know, both the edited version in high res and the raw file. But yeah, a lot of times it is, you know, they just want, they want the full raw images that they can go through and, and just um, pick the ones that they want and tweak them themselves. So it depends on the client, but yeah, there's, there's definitely times where I'm giving them a hard drive of, you know, however many photos and, they go
0: from there. Um, I'm I'm, I'm yep. back, um, kind of catching the last, uh, end of that where you're talking about the, you know, low light and kind of your, your basic settings. W- one of the things that I, you know, try to explain to people is about when I'm talking about capturing the moment, like, you know, truly stopping time to where people feel like they were, they were there. Um, w- you know, when I do that, in the, the daylight, it's really easy. Um, when it's cloudy, it's even better cause I have no harsh shadows. Um, and it makes me yep. a much better photographer. I'm way better when it's cloudy than I am when it's sunny. Um, <laughs> and, and, but when, when I, you know, it, there's a couple, uh, pictures that I've taken that I'm, you know, sticking out in my mind. One of was, was, was of my wife, Amy inside the sawtooth and she had her headlamp on and the coffee was steaming. Um, Yep, She's not a fan of the photo because she looks tired, but it truly is like, yep, I feel like I'm there. The steam's coming out of the coffee. She's got her headlamp on, kind of mixing up the hot chocolate in the coffee. And it, it's it's one of those things where I'm like, if you had any idea what it took to get that shot, um, <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> uh, I, 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 when I explain it to people, I say I pick my battles, meaning my camera settings, I pick the worst um or hardest to adjust portion of that photo, and I break it down from there, meaning the hardest part of that photo is gonna be, well, two things, one is the low light situation, which was horrible, the sun wasn't up, and two, the giant bright headlamp is going to potentially blow my photo out. So that is where I um, start my settings with. What do I need to get, obviously, the you know leaving focus out of it obviously that's easy to do when you're in a tent there's not much to be in focus but yep i start with what iso i need to be at the lowest i possibly can um to not blow out the headlamp and go from there do you set up the photo the same way or do you do it you just kind of fool around with it till you get it right
1: no i definitely i definitely take into account like what's going to be what's what's going to ruin the photo first and then and then work backwards from there. Um, there was a shot uh, that I took this fall of Jason Matzinger with his antelope, and the antelope is uh, laying on the tailgate of his pickup. And I wanted to get the I wanted to get him with the headlamp on, kind of illuminating the antelope, like you know, the after we uh, cleaned it and everything, it was laying there. And but I wanted to get the Milky Way in the background, and I wanted to try to figure out a way to do it without. Um, combining two shots. And so, you know, you just have to have to think about like, okay, what's going to, how long am I going to have to keep this on to get the Milky way, but then still, you know, get the, like, be able to see the antelope. And so it, you know, it probably took seven or eight tries. Um, but I had to have Jason stand there with the headlamp on. And then I would be like, okay, when I say go, you need to turn your headlamp off as quickly as possible, <laughs> and so you know I'd I'd say go, and then he'd reach up and turn it off real quick, and then you know it took a, it took a few tries. Some of them were more blown out than others, but um, yeah, no, I definitely start with what's gonna what's gonna ruin the photo, and then figure out how I'm gonna deal with that, and then you know, figure out all the rest of the stuff.
0: Right now, have you um with the different um, you know I would. To- put this where people would understand it if you know when you start to do nightscapes one of the things people don't understand when the moon is out that is you know, kind of your enemy um unless oh yeah it's awful yeah unless you want to get a shot at the moon which generally suck um it's just like oh look there's a big white ball (laughs) so one thing that I try to you know looking at the weather forecast actually knowing what time the moon is popping its little head out what time it's coming back down I you know, I, in the beginning struggled through a lot because I wasn't smart enough to find that out before I went out. And now yep. <laughs> you kind of want to treat it as the sun, really. Like if you, you know, you know, your legal shooting hours, you want to know kind of your happy photo hours, especially, you know, at night. And so I may take my, my nightscapes at three thirty in the morning, um, yep. or four, it's still darker than, you know, dark. Uh, but the moon has gone away. And, and two, I'm not tired because that's what time I wake up anyway. And, yep, you know, so, and people I think need to take that into consideration. How much do you kind of, you know, look at those things or do you ever, I know a lot of times you're on a hunt and you just have to, to deal with it. Um, but, you know, again, I, I definitely look at that more than I used to. Have you kind of, kind of take that into consideration more or just wing it?
1: Oh, no, I, I definitely look at it a lot. Um, you know, and always in, you know, like a, a shot idea will, you know, pop into my head or whatever. be like, oh, it'd be cool if we could get like this shot with this in the background, you know, with like during like sometime this season, like that would be, a you know, it'd be cool to set this up and, and, and capture that moment. And then I'll, you know, like, I'll look at the, the forecast for, you know, the, or the moon, you know, the moon phase or whatever, and be like, okay as long as we have a clear night sometime between like the 5th and the 12th, like we can get that without having to wake up at like midnight. <laughs> um, and so I'll, I'll, I'll plan shots out, you know, a couple weeks in advance. And then, you know, when that time comes, be like, okay, we got to try to get this done or I got to try to get this done, you know, before the, um, before the moon's going to be back out all night and ruin ruin the shot. So I definitely pay close attention to that if I'm, if I'm looking to do a lot of star stuff, you know, and like you said, you know, when I'm out on certain hunts, sometimes you just got to wing it and hope for the best. Um, But, and, you know, sometimes you can use the moon to your advantage to make uh, a very surreal looking uh, scene because you can, you know, because the moon's so bright, you can uh, almost make it look like daylight, but then all of a sudden there's still stars out It has a really weird coloring to it. But yeah, I definitely pay attention to the moon phase. Way more than
0: I used to. Let, let's talk about that for a second. That brings up a very good point. I'm thinking of a few photos I shot of Frank with. We we're actually in Hillebergs where the moon was in a different position to where I was able to adjust my, um, well, cheat. i say say to say cheat the system. I was able to run at a way lower ISO than I would ever be able yep. to run and still get star clusters, which meant I could get some pretty kick-ass shelter scenes without blowing them out like you normally would and i mean when you know what you're looking at and you see a photo like that sometimes i'm like how the hell did he do that well right you, you know you really break <laughs> down the you know the the scenario is like oh he had moonlight that helped yep. and the moon was at your yep. back not at your front um right and and that's something that people i think once you really start getting into photography and that's where i say frank has the the eye for example frank sees shit i mean he I don't know, Frank. I would say you know half about uh, photography than I do as far as adjustments, and he'll take photos where I'm like, "Motherfucker, (laughs) how did he do that?" He just has an eye for, you know, picking it up. He may not, you know, may 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 not. Well, he he probably does now, but have the grasp of shutter speed and f-stop and everything else. But he can. uh, What's the technical word for that, Sam? He can compose. yeah, he he, he, well, he can he can see the composition before he even gets behind the the lens.
1: Yeah, behind the viewfinder.
0: Yeah, yeah. And 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 that is something that it cannot be. It's kind of like anymore nowadays in the outdoor world. It seems like everybody wants to talk about supplements and working out and, and going beast mode or whatever, and they forget that, hey, you actually need to know what the animal's going to do to kill it. They leave that part out. Right. <laughs> um, you actually need
1: to learn how to hunt
0: as yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. And and that's the composition is, I would say, from what I have seen, uh, and stepping outside of the box in you know, the photography world to get good photos of, hey, you may have the best camera in the world and know by the book how to adjust it, but you you know, you kinda need to learn composure and some of the do's and don'ts and pros and cons or whatever of of the photography world. Frank picked that up naturally. He didn't need to do anything. There's certain things to where sometimes you just wing it in my opinion and you're like, wow, that came out amazing. And then there's yep. other times it's kind of predetermined, preordained, like you are coming into this shot knowing what you're gonna take. How often do you just wing it and get a good one?
1: Uh, I, you know, if I'm, if my percentage of like usable shots after the fact are, are far lower when I'm just winging it, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, if, if I'm, if I'm just out there winging it, you know, I'm probably one in a hundred photos, you know, if I'm just kind of like out there just like oh that's cool you know and then just like you know and some you know like you said sometimes you get like oh that turned out way better than i thought it was going to um but you know i think that comes from just being in it for so long you start to look at stuff in a different way and then you can go okay like you can you know you can see what it's going to look like after you take the shot so you're like okay well it, it would look better if i moved like three steps this way and got behind, you know and then had this also in the foreground to give it a little bit more depth or whatever whatever you know the thing is but yeah if you can if you can kind of it's it's lucky if you have that right off the bat <laughs> um and can and can see that type of thing you know before you even learn more about the camera but um as you start to hone your skills and you can see the photo beforehand your ratio of usable photos um after you shoot them goes way way up um and you're not going to be wasting a bunch of time in post
0: yeah and and i I get we'll kind of finish this up with the post processing side of things um and in dropbox and maybe file transfer because that's in a whole nother freaking monster but (laughs) you know one thing i would say that having your camera which i'm guilty of this i know frank is too i don't always have a camera with me i I would like to but you know, I need to start even having one in the truck, but I'm worried about getting stolen, not just having the camera, but there's going to be certain scenarios where you may have the camera, but if you're not smart enough or, or depth, in depth enough to adjust it fast, you may not get a potential photo. You you could without learning, um, you know, specific things on it, meaning auto is a lot of times not going to work. You may have the camera and you may have it on yeah. auto, Um, I don't know how much you pay attention to, to my page, but I posted a links, um, recently at like, I don't know, 12 yards away or something. Um, that photo people are like, you don't see very many of those. And that that thing was right out the truck. It ran across the road. (laughs) Um, and I was going to type this out and I thought, well, I'm kind of planning on doing a, a, a podcast with Frank and you I'll talk about it then. Uh, yep. I had a 70 to 200 I had preset my settings for one uh, lighting scenario which was not yep. in the timber diving out the truck right it was like right. it ran across <laughs> and I was like holy shit that's a furry link stop the truck well yep as I'm running and literally running down the road to get into the wood line I'm I'm setting my adjustments and I set my most of my adjustments up on the function key, where if I need to get to them quickly, they're all right there. Um, yep, meaning I had to change my white balance, at which I could have fixed in post, but I wanted to change my white balance. Um, I knew that the you know potential for it moving was f- you know, some fat guys running at it, fairly high so even though (laughs) the lighting wasn't perfect but it wasn't horrible i bumped up to i think five six so i had a little fuzz or fudge when it when it came to like depth of field um yep and anyway i ended up to shooting a bunch of photos of it and it actually got pissed off at me which saved me because it kept growling at me where i was able to get more photos you know go back to auto it probably wouldn't have panned out so well for me right it just you know and how, how often do you kind of preset your camera when you take off, meaning let's say you're road hunting or I don't know, pick pick when I say road hunting, meaning you're driving around in the truck. Um, but it's a super cloudy day, uh, but you've got a big like, you know, you're trying to get maybe wildlife photos. And you know, somebody's going to be on a stock. I try to preset my settings ahead of time for what potentially could happen if I'm not taking photos all day. It's just a quick grab um yep do you do the same thing or do you just have Absolutely. faith in... okay yep Yeah. uh <clears throat> no I, I definitely have it
1: uh yeah i definitely preset it you know I'll, whatever if i'm you know hopping in the truck driving around going to be shooting photos or whatever and i'll uh you know get in there and pull the camera up and like hit, you know point it out the window and, you know roll down the window point it out the window and and set everything and then i'll just set it on the center console and then start you know Driving around looking for shots or whatever, but yeah, I definitely, definitely said it ahead of time because there's been, I think you know both you and I have probably learned from really screwing that up, uh <laughs> where you didn't have something preset, and then you know especially if you back when I was shooting Canon and you couldn't, it wasn't the electronic viewfinder, so you didn't see exactly what you were shooting in the screen, you know there was many times where I'd be like oh that's a great shot and I'd pull up and rip off like. 30 shots, like in the, a lot of time that I had. And then I go back and they're either all completely black or they're all, uh, you know, completely blown out because I didn't look at the meter, um, or whatever it was. But yeah, I definitely, definitely set stuff ahead of time.
0: Gotcha. Um, Frank, you got anything when, when you, um, so I, I try to run like, uh, the highest in SD cards I possibly can. And I do that Initial, if I was just taking um, one photo at a time, meaning push the button, camera takes the photo, um, yep. I don't have to worry about the higher end um, – I just make sure I don't screw this explanation up. That higher end uh, SD card when you talk about photography really doesn't come into play as much until you start firing rapid fire, and that's yep. when the higher SD card – comes into play more, and and so when I'm trying to shoot Frank, um, you know, or, or get Frank shooting and catch the arrow in flight, um, yep. I think my camera shoots 12 frames per second. I think, or something like that. So fairly high. Yep. Um, but. It's it's firing what forty five point six or forty six mega donkeys right so it you know <laughs> and and they all lie everyone's like oh you can shoot forty two photos before the buffer fills that's bullshit even with the highest end yep. SD card it ain't happening um, yep so I mean on on SD cards because this is another one I get because a guy will be like well this one's sixty four gigs and it's thirty bucks and this other one's four hundred well you know, the other ones at 300 MBs and the ones at 85 or, or whatever. Um, yep. How good SD cards are you buying? Um, kind of what level or do you even remember? Cause I know I forget. <laughs>
1: uh, I, I don't even, I, I know I've, this last year I've bought a couple that are, that are nicer. I'm not spending like, you know, a hundred dollars on a SD card. That's just, um, that just seems ridiculous to me. Um, there's there, but there's, I've definitely spent more money on them on a couple 128 gig cards this year, just so I could get push it, the buffering, you know, a little further down the road. And then in addition to that, just filming stuff in 4k, um, it's nicer to have a little bit, uh, nicer SD card, but I, I don't even remember what I've bought. I don't think I've spent more than, you know, 50 bucks or 50 or 60 bucks on a you know, hundred
0: and twenty eight gig S D card. And have you I'm curious how this how you answer this. Have you tried to catch arrows in flight um much?
1: Not not much.
0: Nope. Not I, a lot. I think I don't know, Frank, I think that's when we decided we had to up our S <laughs> D <SD> card game. <laughs> yeah. That that is when I was like You're getting
1: tired Shut. of the buffering. Oh, mother <laughs> of
0: Pearl. I'm like, okay, this shit just ain't cutting it. Um and yeah. before we were running just the standard yeah, sixty nine bucks, sixty four gig or whatever they were, forty bucks, and yeah. then what was that last one we bought? Two hundred, pretty pricey. Yeah. Oh lord! It, but to catch arrows in flight without driving yeah. yourself crazy, um, yeah, you about have to. Um, yeah, and and that's one thing I want people to understand. If you're not trying to catch arrows in flight for the love of pearl, do not go spend two hundred and some dollars on an SD card, just get a good SD card that has good reviews on B&H. But yep. there's, there's going to be times where you do have to up your game in in certain aspects like the SD card just from <laughs> the, 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 the situation that you've put yourself in to try to get a good photo. Another one is flashes. Like Frank and I don't do anything where we need a flash. We can fake it with a headlamp. How often are yep. you working with flashes?
1: Almost never. Um,
0: yeah almost never.
1: I, I have a, I have a flash, but I've, you know, I've probably only used it a couple times. I just, I haven't taken the time to learn how to do good flash photography. And so I do the same thing. I, I cheat with uh, headlamps that are, I bought, I think it was like 25 bucks. I bought like a, uh, you know, like a big rectangle video light. Um, that's super bright. And I can adjust the color, like the temperature on the light. And, um, so if I, you know, if somebody does shoot something after dark or, or you know shoot something at the end of the day or whatever and need to recover it at night or whatever I can have you know kind of this big swath of light um, to do that but yeah I, I haven't uh, haven't messed with the flash much just use all natural.
0: Yeah no we're we're in the same boat to the point we don't even actually own one because I don't I don't want to mess yeah. with it but I I did go to shoot a a, a wedding and it was low light yep. and thank God there yep. was a rehearsal because I said I'm not your man. <laughs> this is this is not me.
2: Like, I, I,
0: I felt bad because I was doing it for free to try to save them money. And I'm like, they were like, but your photos are exactly what we want. And I'm like, my photos will be blurry and shitty. You do not want me. This is far beyond my capabilities, I, you know, because it was indoors and in super low light. And I'm like, yep. guys, I you do not want me to do this. And that was, <laughs> you know, one of those things to where you can truly tell a true pro maybe from a, a really good amateur or or a semi pro. Was like, okay, I've got about seventy five percent of this figured out, and that other twenty five is so foreign to me, I can't even fake it. And, and the flash would be yep. one of those because it's. Probably not. I'm only guessing. Not that difficult to get a guy sitting behind an animal to use the flash. You can probably kind of figure it out by process of elimination. But you know, yeah, people walking up and down the aisle, and I'm like, oh Lord, these people are never going to talk to me again if I try and shoot their wedding. So
1: yeah,
0: yeah, never really messed with yeah. it.
1: Yeah, I uh, I don't even know where to begin on artificial light.
0: <laughs> gotcha. What um yeah. uh what is uh just kind of like. The, the post-processing and maybe um, I know the pitfalls I've run into of not keeping my photos organized in the beginning became an epic. Nothing like looking through 75,000 photos for one of them. Um, you know, right. <laughs> what do you do as far as for, like, file uh, storage? And then I, I highly suggest for everyone to use Lightroom. It's simple. Yep. Um, you know, it's fairly cheap. Um, but I, I use Lightroom. It sounds like you do. What do you do as far as keeping uh, you know, cause when you dump them in Lightroom, they convert them either to like a digital negative or a JPEG or whatever you tell it to do. Do you always keep the raw files? Um, you know, what, what, um, what do you use like storage wise and like, like, uh, just upkeep, I don't know, upkeep, whatever, just storage and, yeah, and, and, uh, keeping them in order.
1: Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm better than I used to be at like file, um, organization. I'm still not that great. Um, So, but what I've, what I've started to do now is a, I, I run, you know, a a pretty large external hard drive um, and buy a little bit, you know, a little bit nicer one, but I, I take everything off. I, you know, put together, say I'm, you know, doing a week long shoot or whatever. I try to break it down by the day and, uh, and then I'll, I'll pull all the files off the card into the folder on the hard drive of that day. And then I have started doing, a uh i just put together a little note of like what happened that day and what i can expect to find in those photos so when i go back i can just tap that open and be like okay that was you know and then it kind of jogs my memory but i'll i'll dump all those into a folder and then i use lightroom and i, I just have a lightroom library that's built into that hard drive and then i pull all the photos photos into into lightroom and i go through and and, you know, flag the ones that are, you know, going to make the cut. And then I go back through and, and kind of break it down even further. And then I, um, I, when I, when I get all of the ones edited that I want to um, export as an edited photo, I export them to one location, you know, into a, into a folder that's just all of my edited photos from a certain period of the year. Um, But then I'll also do a copy of the edited photos into right right next to the raw file uh, or raw folder um, so that I have both right next to each other. So I'm not searching around so much for each one.
0: Gotcha. Um, I would say if it was graded on like, you know, F, like in school to an A, I'm a solid C plus right now in organization. (laughs) That's kind of where I'm at. (laughs) I've, it's gotten so bad when I'm trying to find a photo. When I find one like it, I'll, I'll copy the numbers and throw it up in the search thing so at least gets yep. me within 100 plus or minus so I can <laughs> scroll yep. back and forth. I've, <laughs> yep. got, I've gotten better, though. I don't know. Frank, are you any better than I am at that?
2: I have pretty good, pretty well organized. I don't have nearly the photos you have, so I started off early. Once, once you had your debacle, I'm like, hey, maybe I should organize these a little bit better. <laughs> Oh good Lord
0: <laughs> Well and then you get my problem was is I had some photos people wanted to buy they wanted the raw Well yeah if you're an idiot like I am um yeah you know, I plug the SD card in and it converts them and I've got them in Lightroom and it's all good to go but where the hell did the raw file go? now right for it to work in Lightroom, there has to be that base platform file in raw somewhere but if yep you know but if you're an idiot like me, you don't know where. And so, (laughs) and I I didn't, and to this day, I'm still not a hundred percent sure where they are until I really have to look, which requires a lot of Google and a lot of videos and some phone calls. And, and what I found, I called three professional photographers out of the hunting world and they're like, dude, this is what you need to do. Like take, buy a, you know, either a solid state or, you know, whatever large, like terabyte hard drive. Every photo you do that's worthwhile, meaning even if it's like we take photos of Tame Elk, take those off the card and immediately put them in a folder on that solid-state hard drive and never look at them again and then do your normal thing. So you always have them on there. And I'm like, well, dude, that's – So
1: you know that the –
0: yeah. Yeah, they're there, which is the smartest thing that anyone's ever told me, and I still screw it up because I forget. But um, (laughs) – That, that is a good idea when people really start getting into this, especially in my opinion, and they're trying to make money is, hey, take that SD card and dump that thing onto a, a solid state backup hard drive. And that's like yep. your your God space. That's where they're all at. And in that way, they're labeled, you know, elk in, you know, elk September 2013, you know, the 21st or, you know, whatever. It gets you close yep. to where there was a Ram photo I took of two guys coming over the back that people wanted, you know, the, the people that bought it. I bet I spent a solid six hours trying to find that raw photo. That's how bad it was. So, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been in that position? Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. The one. The one thing that saved me is I. Um, you know, I would have the edited photo, and i would be like, oh, "Well, we really want the raw." Ah, um, oh, shit. So then, um, I, I started going back into my. I'd figure out what Lightroom library I edited that in and then I would pull up that Lightroom library and go to the photo, go to the edited photo. And then, you know, it has like the, all the information of what the raw image was called before I exported it. And then I would just go into my search bar (laughs) and copy and paste that in and go, well, it's one of these three. So which, (laughs) and then I, yeah, I'd, I'd get there, but yeah, I'd, um, after a few, after a few uh, couple hour searches for images, I, like, I, you know, was like, well, I got to do a better job on the front end.
0: Yeah, I gotcha. Well, we're yeah. we're uh, we're reaching over an hour here. Is there any like special like, as an example, we use this Peak Design, you know, Capture Pro thing that we can hold the cameras on our shoulders. Um, and the peak design kind of shoulder strap system, that's something we kind of mentioned to people that we really like a lot just as far as packing camera gear around. Is there anything like that yeah. you, that you've found that has just been like a wow factor that everybody has to have?
1: Not really. Uh, I mean, I just, I just haven't played around with a bunch of the accessories. Um, I have been looking at that peak design stuff. And then another thing I want to try is that cotton carrier, like the chest mount, um, where you can throw like a, you know, either the one body you have or a second body like on your chest. Um, But I think uh, I'll just offer a piece of advice for people out there. And it's a question I get a lot. And it's how do I, how do I carry my camera gear into the field? And I think a lot of people give uh, professional photographers way too much credit and think that we, um, you know, have some special backpack or some special, you know, something to carry all of our really expensive gear into the field. But I just wrap mine in clothes and throw it in the backpack. That's just (laughs) – that's about as good as it's going to get because there's no way – I mean, nobody makes a camera backpack um, that also doubles as a, you know, something that's good for the backcountry.
0: Yeah, we're pretty much in the same boat. I'm not sure how many – there's some neoprene lens covers that I'll use every occasionally, but for the Mm -hmm. most part, I just wrap my puffy jack around it. Frank's got an ape case thing that works pretty good for him, but – It's not going to take any major blows. So yeah, we do. I would say you you knocked it out of the park on that one. I think people expect this amazing piece of gear, and I'm like, yeah, I wrap <laughs> it in my hoodie. Good luck. Yeah. You know, I don't know what else. I'm like, yeah, that's it, man.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah.
1: So I, I get that question a lot. So for all of you listening, just you know, wrap it in a sweatshirt or a puffy, or a, you know, you know, throw some a couple pairs of socks around the lens and call it a day.
0: Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Well, cool. Um, Well, man, I I appreciate you coming on and, uh, you know, kind of sharing your experiences with uh, on the photography stuff. Uh, We get tons of questions about it. So it'll certainly help us out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, It's fun
0: to talk to other people who, you know, do this stuff for a living. And make the same mistakes so you can laugh at them, like trying to find one photo. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I feel better about it now. (laughs) You made me feel great. I'm not the only one. Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Cool, cool, man. Well, good luck with all the adventures you've got, uh, you know, coming up. And if you ever need anything from us, let us know.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Same to you guys. And uh, with any luck, we'll cross paths uh, in the future.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Take it easy.
1: Yeah, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Sam.